0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor here. Really excited that you guys are here. I just want to say a welcome for those of you who are here in the house. I want to welcome those of you who are watching uh, online. Uh, thank you guys for joining us online. And then for those who are on the backstage patio, we hope you stay warm today. Anyway, uh, glad that you're here. I don't even know if there's anyone out there, but that's okay. We'll say hi anyway. <laughs> we are, uh, we're in week two of a series, three-week series called Hope Has a Name. Hope Has a Name. And I'm really glad that you're here today because I believe that God may have something for us. And I want you to hear me say us. I believe that he's got something for us today in store. Something special. Because over the past two years, I can promise you that there's been a time or two in your life, and there's been a time or two in my life, and I've lost hope. I've lost hope maybe in what is going on in the world. I've lost hope in security. Lost hope in maybe what the government and authorities are doing. Some of you are like, I've lost hope in that for the last 30 years. Okay, that's fine. I get that. But we are, we're in a position in today's day and age where, let's face it, it's legitimate and it's understandable that we've lost hope, right? Can we all just agree on that, that it's like there's a lot of reasons, or at least there's a lot of legitimate reasons for us to lose hope, right? just is what it is in this day and age. And so we're in this series called Hope Has a Name, and there's no secret that the name that we give as Christ followers to hope is, you can say it with me, Jesus. Jesus is our hope. And so last week we talked about how Jesus is our hope in the moment, how He can be our hope in the moment, how uh, God's Word has so much to say about how we can have an anchor in that moment when we get that phone call, when we get the news, when we find out that maybe, you know, we've been given that pink slip. I don't even know. Do they give pink slips anymore? I don't think they do, probably. I'm sure you just get an email (laughs) or maybe a conversation, right? Some of you are like, I connect with that. I get that. Today, we're moving forward. We're going to be talking about hope for the journey. Hope for our lives, hope for the journey. What does God's word say about us having hope for the journey? And if I'm really honest with you, the the thing that comes to mind when I think about hope for the journey and having hope for the journey, hope for our lives, hope for a lifetime, is the fact that there are a lot of things that are kind of like picking at hope, that are trying to, to chisel away at hope in our lives. Some of them are personal for you. Some of them are very specific some of them may be certain things. Some of them may be people. Some of them may be the people you're sitting next to. No elbows right now, okay? It may be something that's going on in society, but I can promise you one thing, that for us to have hope for a lifetime, we need to understand that the greatest enemy to hope for a lifetime is fear and anxiety and worry. Fear And anxiety and worry, I think, are the greatest enemies. And there are a lot of enemies to hope, right? Having hope for a lifetime is a lot of things that are chiseling away, that are trying to pull apart, that are trying to like, they see that one little thread and it pulls on that one little thread. But what can destroy hope and what can debilitate us spiritually is this idea of worry, worry, worry. And we have a lot of reasons to worry in today's day and age. We just do. We have a lot of reasons to worry. Now, let's just have a moment of honesty this morning. How many of you would say, all right, in the room here, and you can raise your hand if you're at home or on backstage, maybe it'll warm you up a little bit, all right, backstage patio. How many of you would say, yeah, I am like a, you know, serial worrier, all right? You can raise your hand. Awesome. You're, You're in good company, okay? I'm really proud of you. Way to go. And those who didn't raise your hand, you're lying in church. So anyway, you don't answer to me on that one. The greatest enemy to hope is worry and anxiety and fear. I read the story about a man and his wife and they... Uh, dealt with worry, and she dealt with worry in a huge way. In fact, it kept her sleepless most nights for all of their married life. And they had been married for about ten years. And she would wake up in the middle of the night almost every night, and she'd elbow him in bed and say, "I think I heard something downstairs. It's somebody robbing us." Right? And uh, I see some of you laughing. You're probably like identifying with this woman, right? So, so one one night, after about ten years of this, um, the man actually woke up because he did hear something downstairs. And he went downstairs, and sure enough, there was somebody that had entered their home, and he was a burglar. And he said, man, I am so glad to meet you, the man said. I want to take you upstairs. I want to introduce you to my wife because she has been looking for you for 10 years. (laughs) Love that. And that describes us sometimes, doesn't it? We're just waiting for that bad thing to happen. We're waiting for the world to fall apart. We're waiting for the the ground to come out from underneath us. And it is the greatest enemy to the hope that many of you have put for eternity in God's son, Jesus. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. So today I want to talk with you about three ways that you and I Can protect ourselves and prepare ourselves when worry creeps in, so that we can have hope for the journey of life. Now, one of the things that we talked about in our our series that we just finished up, uh, you know, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, called "The DNA of a Transformational Church," is that we want to be a church that's a growing church, and that's of course, growing numerically, but we really zero down on the fact that we want to be a church where each person is growing spiritually. And today, these three things that we're going to be talking about, I think, are the prescription, if you will, to help us to have a battle plan when worry and anxiety and fear creep into our lives so that we can hang on to hope for a lifetime. And some of you are going to say, Todd, these things are overly simple. The problem is, is that we get caught off guard by worry and we get caught off guard by these things that pull hope apart in our lives. So I would say back to you that they may be simple, they may be elementary, but if you're worried about life and you've lost hope, which I have a few times over the last two years admittedly, maybe we don't have those foundational simple things down in our lives better than we think we do. And so today I want to talk to you about three things that I want to encourage you to understand and three action points that I want to encourage you to take to prevent having worry debilitate your spiritual life and the hope that you have for the journey. The first thing that we need to understand is if we are going to have hope for the journey, we as God followers, we as Jesus followers need to spend meaningful and consistent time with God every day. Every day. We need to spend consistent and meaningful time with God every day. And I'm telling you that as someone who is ADD, who gets distracted by the least little thing, squirrel. I am terribly distracted, and even in my own personal time with God, I get distracted, and I allow distraction to be the enemy of my own time with God. But I understand how vitally important it is. And we as Christ followers need to understand how hope for the journey develops when we spend meaningful and consistent time with God every single day. If we want to be people who have hope in Jesus for our lifetime, then we need to be people who are spending time with the one who gives us hope for a lifetime. Jesus' instructions in Matthew Chapter 6, verse 6. When he talked about and when he gave us instruction, he began to give us instruction on how to pray. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, but when you pray, he says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and turn off your iPhone and turn off the computer and set your notifications off and tell your kids not to come in the room. Uh, It doesn't say all of that, but he's saying that, right? Shut the door. And he says, pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who is in secret will, what's that next word? Reward you. And part of that reward is spending time with Him so that when you have the thing that comes up that is a worry about tomorrow or an anxiety about the next moment or a fear that you may have that's reoccurring that keeps coming up, that you know what to do, that you turn to Him first. We can't turn to God first unless we're spending time with Him. We can't turn to Him first in the emergency when we're not spending time with Him in the daily grind of life. And so I want to encourage you. Listen, I know some of you are thinking this is elementary. Others of you are thinking, this is for other people, Todd. This is for pastors and theologians and like really good Christians. No, this is for anyone who calls himself a Christ follower. We've got to go into that, that secret place, that dark place, that war room as the movie years ago talked about. And we have to spend time with him, meaningful and consistent time with him. And I said every day, but even if it's not every day, my challenge to you is allow it to be consistent. Allow it to be consistent. Jesus gave us instruction to get away, to to separate, to go somewhere else. To pull away, to be with him in that quiet place. And I, I'd realize that, you know, some of you, for some of you, it's spending time with God, um, you know, in the morning because you're morning people and you wake up happy, happy. Like you wake up cheering. Someone was cheering in the back because just like I said, the morning people are happy, right? All right, you wake up and you're like re- raring to go, right? I used to be that way. Hmm. I don't know what happened. I'm not that way anymore. I've become more of a night person. So some of you, you may want to spend time with God in that secret place, in that quiet place, in that place where there aren't any distractions in the morning because that's your best time of the day, right? Some of you may be at night. Some of you may be in the middle of the day when you take a break, when you take your lunch break. We need to to spend time with the one who gives us hope. And here's the thing, church, it doesn't need to be something that's mechanical. It doesn't need to be something that we feel like we have to check a box. It needs to be something that's pure. It's something that we desire to do. And the more time that we spend with him, you'll watch, the more time that you'll desire to want to spend time with him. I love the story of Jesus when he's with Martha and Mary. It's recorded in Luke chapter 10. I just want to read it here this morning. I love this. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. These were sisters, by the way, okay? Mary and Martha, okay? Who, who of you would be—you don't have to raise your hand. You can if you want to. You probably will if you're like Martha. Uh, who of you would be the one that would, like, be at the door welcoming Jesus into your home? That would be me, for sure. Like, I'd be there, like, welcoming into the home, Right? Yeah, making a way for him. You get it? You're, you're like, we get, this is Jesus, man. This is, our, this is our teacher. This is our savior. We got to welcome him in. I don't have to do that with the next door neighbor, but I'm going to welcome Jesus into the home, right? So Martha goes. She welcomes him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Quite a different contrast, right, so far. But Martha was distracted. I'm Martha, man, right there. Martha was distracted. She had ADD. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Can you believe this? She was tattling on her sister. She's an adult. And she was tattling. By the way, uh, for you parents, we had our best rule in our home was in our home when the kids were little, whoever tattled, didn't matter. They both were in trouble. They both got the same punishment. That was the best rule we ever had, right, Cynthia? So anyway, yeah, that was the best rule we ever had. We blew a lot of things, but that one we got right. Anyway, Martha was distracted. She was serving much. She said, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to serve all alone? Tell her then to help me. And this is what Jesus said. He answered Martha and he said, Martha, Martha, Martha. You're anxious and you're troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see, Mary chose to linger, to sit at Jesus' feet, and to take in from the Savior's teaching. And Jesus, when confronted with this awkward situation, this adult tattletailing that's going on, he says, Martha, 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 man, you're serving. But what will really give you the reward is for you to linger, is for you to be like Mary and set aside time to just spend in the presence of the Son of the living God. And so you might find yourself in the position of Mary or Martha, and I want to challenge those of you who, like me, are in the position of Martha to take time to just spend with Jesus. Just to talk to him. Just to talk to him. Luke 22 records Jesus when he was troubled, when he may have faced a hopeless time, going away to spend time with his father right before his death on the cross. And I'm not going to read the whole passage, but Luke 22, 39. And he came out, Jesus, and, and went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And we, when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation, Jesus is telling his disciples. But look at what happens in verse 41. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. He wasn't very far away, or at least the way I would throw a stone, right? And knelt down, and what does it say?" and what? And he prayed. Saying, Father, and he's crying out to God, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. I I know the agony, the physical agony that I'm going to be in. If it's possible, would you remove this cup from me? Even the Son of God, who was on mission and knew his mission, was disturbed by what was coming the next day. You see, hope for the journey is interrupted, and it's pulled apart sometimes by what's next in the journey. What did Jesus do? He was honest with his Father. See, here's the thing. For those of you who have worry and anxiety, the recipe is not to spend time with God and ignore your worry and ignore your anxiety. The point is to spend time with Him to tell Him about that, like Jesus did. He says, "Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done." Look what He says in verse 43. Records it, and there appeared to Him an angel from heaven, strengthening strengthening him. Now, don't expect that to happen every time you spend time with God. An angel's probably not going to appear to you every time you spend time with God, but I can promise you the more and more that you do it, the more strength that you will receive, the more strength that I will receive for the journey. And he kept on praying and praying. And so here's the action step for you. Here's the action step that I want to challenge you to to take. Is decide that you are going to spend time with God. Meaningful. Meaningful time. And consistent time with him. And I want to challenge you to do it every day. Because here's the point. Here's the point, church. Listen. Listen. If Jesus needed it before he died... I need time with the Father before I go to that meeting or before I meet with that person or before you have that big uh, conference that you're going to or before you have to have that conversation with your spouse or your son or your daughter. If Jesus, if the Son of God went away and got alone with the Father, we need it as well. And so decide that you're going to spend meaningful and consistent time every day with God the Father. And if you're frustrated because you don't feel like you're being strengthened, do it again the next day. And if you don't feel like, as as Josh mentioned earlier, it's not a feeling, faith is not a feeling, hope isn't either. If you feel like that second day, you're just not getting any strength, trust me, do it a third day. Get into that routine of spending time with God the Father. Because what is done in secret and what is done in practice will help you through the journey to fight off the enemies of hope. I grew up from the time I was three years old um, playing golf. My dad who's in town this week, uh, he's taught me how to play golf. He showed me the game. I'm so thankful that he showed me this amazing game until I have a bad round. Then I'm not thankful at all or a bad shot. And I cry out his name sometimes. Dave, no, I'm just kidding, I don't do that. But Dad taught me this game, and the thing that he taught me is is that it takes practice. You have to spend time on the driving range and on the putting green and in the sand traps. And some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Others of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have to spend time practicing to do it right on the course. It doesn't just happen. The enemies of hope aren't just going to suddenly disappear. See, that time that we spend with God is in a way helping us for the journey of life. Because then, over time, when we spent time with him in secret in the normal course of life, when the worry about tomorrow comes, when the anxiety about that thing that is in your mind right now comes, you'll turn to him. You'll turn to him. The second thing that I want us to learn today is that hope for the journey, it develops when we spend meaningful and consistent time with God every day, but hope for the journey deepens when we continually talk to God as we go about our day. We've been talking about this in my men's uh, prayer group on Wednesday morning about talking with God throughout the day. And I remember a great principle that, um, you know, Jeff, uh, who, Jeff Cranston, who's the pastor of Lowcountry Community Church, and and he's my spiritual kind of dad. I remember he taught me this lesson so many years ago. He said, Todd, in your life, as you go about your day, I want to challenge you to constantly, just continually be talking to God. Just pretend like he's right there, because guess what? what? He is. He is. He's with you. God's Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life when you give your life to Christ. When you become a Christ follower, at that moment, the Holy Spirit indwells you, and He is with you, and He is for you. And you can talk to Him wherever you are, in whatever situation you're in. You don't have to go through a priest or a pastor or someone else. You can talk to him all the time. And so strength for the journey deepens when we continually talk to God. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And man, one of the great spiritual freedoms that I ever received is when I learned that I could just talk to God wherever I am. Man, that's a recipe against hope. That's a prescription against hopelessness, excuse me, a recipe against hopelessness. That's, that is something that's going to fight off those enemies of hope, like worry and anxiety is talking to God every day. And I know some of you are thinking, wait a minute, you just walk around like talking to God audibly? You're one of those, Todd? I'm not sure I want you to be my pastor anymore. You know what, this doesn't have to be audible. He hears you. He listens to you. The psalmist said that he knows my thoughts from afar. So you can be talking to God and people around you not even hear you. Maybe you do want to make that audible. Maybe there is something that you need to say to him and you need to make it audible like when you're driving in the car and somebody cuts you off. But maybe it's just in the quietness of your heart. Just talk to the one who is with you. I love that. The Holy Spirit is with you. Romans 15, 13, the Apostle Paul writing this letter to the church in Rome, he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. See, part of the role of God's Holy Spirit in dwelling you is to give you hope. But if you go throughout your day and you don't talk to him, for sure worry and anxiety and fear are going to set in. Those things are legitimate, especially today. I love that when uh, Jesus' disciples were always trying to trick him, and they were competing with each other, as I've mentioned before, and they, they went to him and asked him, like, how do we get to the Father? And we talked about this last week a little bit. And Jesus says, don't you know? Like, I, I, you go to the Father through me. And then he says this in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Talk to your Savior. Talk to God, the Father. The psalmist cries out in Psalm 145, 18 and 19. Listen to this. Listen to this. Maybe some of you need to put this up in a place where you can see it throughout your day. Put it on your phone somewhere. Put it where you can see it. Put it on your, on your car, on your, your mirror in the bathroom. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. And by the way, that word fear is different than our understanding of fear. That essentially means that we respect him, that we're open to him. We understand that he is sovereign and we're not. That's what that, fear, that word fear means in the original language. Verse 19, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Talk to God. And when you feel like you don't have the words to say, remember this verse from Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I've been there. Have you been there? You've been weak over the last couple of years? Last couple of months? Weeks? Days? The Spirit of the Living God helps us in our weakness, for we do not know sometimes what we ought to pray. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Have you ever been so worried? and anxiety-filled about something that you didn't even have the words to say. You know what? God knows exactly. Listen, I want you to hear me today. God knows exactly what's on your heart. He knows exactly what you're worried about. He understands it, and he's a great translator, He understands your anxious thought. He understands your worry. He understands your fear. And he translates it perfectly. Even when you cannot utter it. Sean is in Spanish 1 right now. I think I know a lot about Spanish. I do not. We need a translator around our house most of the time. It is very hilarious. But when those utterances for you are worry and fear, and it starts pulling away at hope, he understands understands. Take action. Take action. Think today. As you go about your day, think today. When you're by yourself, when you're with someone else, when you're struggling with what's going to happen tomorrow, think today that God is with you because what? He is. You can say it with me. You think about the fact that God is with you because he is. He's with you. He's with you. And then lastly, if we're going to be prepared to battle against the enemy of hope, we have to perceive and we have to receive, listen, the peace that God provides. We have to perceive and we have to receive the peace that God provides. Hope for the journey is realized. It's developed in that quiet time when we spend time daily, meaningful and significant and consistent time with God daily. It grows, it deepens when we talk to him throughout our day, but it's realized when we perceive and receive a peace that only God can provide. But here's the thing. I think we as Christians kind of get tricked into thinking that Jesus came to brought us, bring us peace and that we should have peace and that peace like ends up in the absence of trouble. And that's just not true. We think that like peace is the absence of hopelessness, right? We think that like having real peace is on this earth, the the elimination of everything that's going to worry us or give us anxiety or fear, and that is just not true. Listen, I want you to hear today that hope is found not in the absence of hopelessness, but in the presence of the peace of God. Not from any other source, not from any other conventional wisdom or great self-help book, and some of them I'm sure are awesome, but true peace is found when we find him It's found when we find him paul's message to the church in colossae is this in colossians 3:15 and let the peace of christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful and be thankful and be thankful and jesus in john 16 verse 33 he said i have said these things to you that in me you may have in the world you will have he doesn't say will not have he says you will have tribulation but get this last part we forget about this he says but take heart take heart i have what's that next word overcome the world i've overcome the world take heart i have overcome the world And when we tap into the one who has overcome the world, then we are part, we we reap the benefit, we reap that reward that many of those other verses talked about earlier today. We reap that reward of having and participating in overcoming the world. We don't do it by ourselves. We do it with him. We do it with him. With him. And so I'm going to encourage you to take action by perceiving in receiving peace. I know that when I've gone through some times in my life where I look around and maybe fear kind of like I, 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 have, I struggle more with like disappointment and discouragement and a little bit of depression than I do anxiety and worry. But I do have worries. And in those moments when, when I've, I've had worry and when it begins to kind of overtake my hope, in most cases later on I realized... I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't perceiving it. I wasn't expecting God to provide that peace. And so I was not in a position then to receive it. Maybe some of you are out there and those first two things that you have to do, spending time with God is something that you need to integrate into your life and talking to him throughout the day. But there comes a point when we need to to be open and, and look around and Look for where God is providing peace, and that will lead us back to the place where we're once again hopeful. Perceive and receive a peace that only God can provide. Listen. If you're here today or you're listening or watching or whatever the case may be and you have been struggling with worry and anxiety and fear and maybe it has been crippling for you and those around you, I can guarantee you that if you spend some significant time spending time with God every day consistently and meaningful, if you spend time talking to him throughout your day about those things, about those worries, about those problems, and if, you're, if you decide that you're going to perceive where God is bringing you peace and receive that rather than rejecting it, I promise it'll get better. It'll get better. Your problems aren't going to disappear. The hopelessness may not disappear. The things that you're concerned about in life are not going to disappear, but your trust in the creator will deepen. Your faith and your hope in in the God who sent his son to die on the cross for our sins will be stronger. And you'll find the recipe for hope for the journey. I want to leave, leave you today... with a verse from 1 Peter 5, verse 7. And then I want to pray for you. I read that the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. So I want you to hear this verse from 1 Peter 5, 7. It says this, cast or cast casting all your anxieties. The way I learned it growing up was cares. Cast all your anxieties on him because he, what's that next word? He cares for you. He cares for you. We did a little study in my men's prayer group on this one verse probably about a year ago, maybe over a year ago. And I remember we talked about the origin of that word. It says, cast for a reason. I don't fish, but I've watched people who fish, right? And they literally throw that line out into the ocean or out in the middle of a lake or a lagoon around here. They literally throw it. And that's exactly what God wants you to do to help you have hope for the journey is to take all those anxieties and take all those fears and cast them at him arms are open wide. He's ready to receive you but he also wants your worry and he wants your anxiety and when we trust in him at that level we can have hope for the journey. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. It's an old phrase fret not he loves you faint not he holds you And fear not, he keeps you. Today, whether you're in this room or watching or listening online, and maybe fear and worry and anxiety have begun to, to chip away at the hope that you once had or the potential hope that you see in Jesus. I want to encourage you right now just in the quietness of this room, and I'm going to give you a moment to be quiet and just to talk to God. I want to encourage you to take that anxiety or fear or worry or whatever it is that is fresh on your mind that is bothering you, that is making you wake up in the middle of the night and think about tomorrow. I want you to put that in your mind for a moment. And I want to picture yourself casting that at Jesus, Literally throwing it his way. Let him receive that. Let him take that burden off your shoulders because he cares for you. Right now, just in the quietness of this place, just for a few minutes, just for a minute, I just want you to think about that. Think about that thing and cast it towards him in your mind and in your spirit. Give it to him. Father, we give you praise right now because you're the God who is standing with your arms open wide and you are receiving those things that we worry about, those things that we fret about, those things that are concerns and anxieties and worries and fears to us. And God, right now in the strong and the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus, I pray that you would receive those once and for all for people in this room who maybe have dealt with these worries and anxieties and cares for a long, long time, maybe months or years or decades. Father, I pray that you would remove those bonds and those chains of what fear does to us. It debilitates us and it steals our hope It pulls it away. God, right now, I just thank you that you're the God who stands ready to take all of that on your shoulders. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And Father, I pray for those who are maybe in here today and they've been kind of hopeless and maybe dealing with fear and anxiety and worry. and God, it just seems like everything is bad. It's just bad right now. I pray that you would help them today to choose, to develop their ability to have hope for the journey by spending time with you. God, that they would deepen that by talking with you throughout the day, by going to you first with their worries and concerns. And Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to perceive and to receive the hope that you offer us. God, thank you that you can give us hope for the journey of life, that you can give us hope for tomorrow. And as we'll talk about next week, hope for eternity. God, I thank you so much for the hope that you bring. God, I thank you that forever and ever and ever we can place our hope in you, that you are the God who is the hope of the ages. We love you. And we thank you and we give you praise right now for that. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen.